Welcome to The Interdisciplinarian, where product managers share their stories and insights from the field. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Alex Cowan, and today you're going to meet Josh Andrews, who is a product manager at Google. One of the products that Josh has worked on is Google Apps for Work, which is their suite of communications and office applications, online spreadsheets, documents, email, stuff like that. I use Google Apps every day, and I love it. It's simple, and it gets the job done. And it's an interesting thing that the simplicity that they've achieved, you'll hear a lot about well-liked products that, well, you know, they kept it simple. And it seems like, well, that's simple to do. But it's, of course, anybody who's really been in there doing product management knows that it's not. So we're going to talk about how you achieve that simplicity, which is hard. It takes work. It takes focus. And it takes great teamwork. So you'll hear about that from Josh today. Josh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Thanks, Alex. Glad to be here. You're in sunny Mountain View at Google? Yes, yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, the weather is fantastic here. (laughs) Great. And you've been a product manager at Google for how long? Uh, Just a little less than four years. And tell us about your work on uh, Google Apps for Work. What what are the specific parts of it that that you've worked on? Sure. Um, so I, I worked on uh, Google Apps for Work for about two years of my time at Google. Um, and uh, during that time, I focused uh, primarily on growth-related projects for Google Apps for Work, specifically focusing on our online uh, sign-up flow. So this is basically kind of the process where somebody would come to a website, learn more about Google Apps for Work, and then decide to give it a try, get get Google Apps for Work set up for their for their company, and then ultimately decide to pay or not pay for the service. So your job uh, so was to improve on that experience, make it better for the user, and, and increase the rate at which people actually converted and signed up for the service. That's right, yeah. I, I, um, ultimately, we looked at you know how much revenue we were creating through the flow, uh, you know, how how well we were doing at converting people that came in and, uh, you know, how how they rated their experience, kind of, you know, how simple it was to set up and how delightful they delightful it was, how well they would recommend it to people. And I, I'm sure you had to manage through a lot of things that needed to happen for the user to to get them signed up. And as, as any practicing product manager knows, it's really easy to just take all that complexity and kind of dump it in the lap of the user. But I mean, I've signed up for Google Apps. Clearly, you didn't do that. So tell me about, tell us a little bit about how you kept things focused and, and how you kept them simple and natural for the user. Sure. Um, so one of the biggest challenges with, with what we were doing was around email. Um, it's, it's surprisingly complex to get email set up and working for a domain. Uh, basically, that means if you want, you know, me at, you know, mycompany.com, to work, um, then we have to do a lot of kind of back-end routing between Google and with whichever company you purchased your domain from to make that work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we found that there were around the world, um, you know, many, many, many thousands of companies that manage a domain that, you know, their, their customers were coming to us looking for an email solution. And we found, you know, there was each one of those required oftentimes something a little bit different. Um, so we wanted to make it as easy as possible, uh, for the user, but you know, what, what would seem to be very simple when they come through and say, yeah, yes, I would like my mail and this is my domain. 
in the background, we actually had to look at, you know, where where are you coming from for these 8,000 and provide the easiest uh, solution. So, you know, we ended up finding uh, various solutions. You know, sometimes we would set up a business development partnership so that we could interface with other companies in the background. Um, other times we would provide, you know, very specific instructions so that people would know exactly what to do. When you say uh, uh, a business development partnership, companies. you mean some kind of automation or integration between yourself and the domain provider? Exactly. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we found, you know, the, the, you know, highest volume domain providers that we were dealing with and we would go and we would talk to them and try to set up a special, special relationship so that, you know, essentially all of the complexity would be removed from the user and they would just say, I would like email. And then we would say, okay, you know, here, here you go. Tell us about how you generated for yourself all those different options and, and how you might engage with some of these providers. Were, were those sort of readily obvious, or did it take some work to think through those with your team? Uh, it's it's not always obvious um, because I think, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert at, you know, email routing for domains and, you know, that entire landscape. So, you know, generally it was a a collaborative team effort. You know, basically we had, you know, many different people from, you know, our support org and from our engineering org and from our business development org that all knew that we were going after this kind of a solution. Uh, and then everyone would kind of work together to generate kind of different ideas. And then we would all kind of work together to see, you know, which which of those were the best and which were the most feasible to do. Um, but it's it's something you have to do as a team because uh, it's very difficult for one one person to have enough knowledge, you know, to, to figure all, all of that out. And was there anything in particular you did as a product manager to to generate those perspectives? You just get everybody together or present the problem on email or forum or what what worked best for you in, in terms of actually generating those options? Uh, so usually for those, I, I, I like to start with kind of, you know, what's the overall vision or what's the reason why we're trying to do something? You know, the more the more real you can make the problem and the more real you can make what it's going to be like if you solve that problem, uh, you know, the more engaged people are. Because, you know, it's, it's very easy to go ask somebody to do something and then just to not, not do a good job of it or just not do it at all because they don't think it's very important. So I always try to start there. Um, and then, you know, besides that, it, it varies somewhat. You know, I, I would say sometimes when I would work with people, it would be as simple as, you know, setting up a meeting, uh, walking somebody through something, and then dealing with things over email. Um, other times you would get kind of like-minded people together in a meeting and try to do kind of a group brainstorm. Um, sometimes I would meet with, with a manager, you know, who has many people that work, work for him or her, I guess in this case it was a him, and, you know, try to enlist that person to then get more of their team involved in identifying potential solutions. Let's let's go into um, kind of the, the the details of an individual implementation. Can you talk a little bit about how you would take one of these options for a specific provider and move from whatever input you used, user story or, or whatever, to all the different details, to implementation, to testing to make sure that, that this was really generating good outcomes for the user. Talk, can you talk a little bit about that process? Sure. Um, so if you imagine one of the ones where we we had to set up a, a – business development partnership. In, in that case, uh, you know, once, once we had kind of formulated the idea and we had a rough sense of what we want, um, we would then go work with uh, someone on our business development team uh, who, who would then contact out to the, you know, third-party companies 
actually try to engage and see if they're interested in setting up a deal. Um, and then once we saw that, that interest, we would put them together with our uh, tech team and we would kind of walk them through what the interface would look like and how it might work. And then once we had both of those things scoped out, then kind of the external company and then us internally would both work to um, build, build that kind of a solution out. Once, once we had that basic integration working, then we would start trying to bring it back into our core kind of setup flow that we had. And basically what we would have to do is, is look at where in the flow things would get different for someone who fits into the role of that or, you know, kind of fits in, into the segment that would apply to that uh, partnership mm-hmm. and then create kind of a, a invisible um, separate path that that, that that user would take. Um, at that point, you know, we would generally work, uh, you know, start off with, you know, listing out requirements like in a document. Um, I would then work with, uh, you know, UX designers to imagine how something like that might work. And then uh, we do that in collaboration with the engineering team. And how, how did you go it. through the process with the UX designers? Did you guys sketch and did you prototype and test with users? Or did you already have yeah. patterns that you built up and you could just use those? Uh, I, I would say some of all. Um, but, you know, for the most complex things, generally, in, you know, in, in this case, what we did was, we always start off with some, some core user stories, which are around, you know, what, what's the problem and what somebody's trying to do. In this case, it would be, you know, I have email with this company, or I, I have a domain with this company, and I would like to get Google Apps for Work working on this email address. And then at that point, we would sketch out some, some basic ideas that would solve the problem and, you know, generally try to look at a few different extremes of an idea. I, I think in this particular case, we tried to come up with four different ways that we might try to solve the problem. And then we, we created some very lightweight prototypes. These are basically, you know, things that, uh, you know, someone who knows, uh, you know, basic website programming could mock something up in a couple of days. And then we got um, people that were within our target demographic uh, that would look at this over a uh, Hangouts video. So basically where, where we could share our screen with them and they could, review it and give us feedback. We would let them play around with our prototype and we'd get feedback. And, you know, we did that with probably five or six users for each of the four different variations. And what, talk and about, that can you tell us about the, the variations? Why, why do you think it was important to generate four variations or five, whatever it was? Well, I mean, I, I, I think the easiest trap to get into is thinking that you, you know, too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and if, if you don't do a number of variations, then, you know, you're risk kind of biasing the feedback that you get. So I think, you know, when we think about doing variations, you know, there's often one that we think is our favorite, uh, but then we try to identify different different choices that we've made and try to push that choice in a different direction, you know, to create a different variation. Because, I mean, oftentimes in these, uh, you just don't know what you're going to learn from from people that are, you know, actually living living the experience. You know, it's oftentimes very, very difficult, to, you know, to empathize with everybody and really get into their head. Once you sketched these out and, and tried them out, how did you move forward and, and decide on what you were going to do? Based on the user feedback, you know, we get a sense of what we think is working the best. And we will then narrow that down to kind of one of the variations and then get into a higher level of detail, kind of a higher level of fidelity for those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, then we actually bring in the more you know, heavy engineering. But we always try to keep things as light as possible until we get kind of better, better market validation. So in, the, in this case, that means actually putting something 
in front of a significant number of users that are actually trying to sign up for Google Apps. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because, you know, when you're doing user studies, these are not people that are actually in the situation. Yep. So, you know, you don't want to take that with uh, too much faith. Um, and then, so, you know, we would generally try to build kind of a, a half version or a light version of what we ultimately wanted to build and try to get that out in front of real users. We would then run a, a split test or an A-B test where we look at, uh, you know, segmenting the people that are coming into our flow. And then we give, you know, 20% of them the, the new experience and then another 20% of them the old experience. And then we, we compare, you know, who's, who's more successful at, at setting up, uh, you know, email for their domain. And we see, you know, did we do a good job or did we not do a good job? And, and when you say a light version that you're able to, to iterate on quicker, what things are you able to defer until until you get a tighter validation that that you would that, that you that would make it lighter? I mean, what how, how does it differ as you as you kind of lock? I would it say in? you know that's usually a conversation you want to have with your engineering team because it is you know there's there's no one answer for that. Mm -hmm. I think in in this specific case, uh, we did not handle all of the error cases mm -hmm. very well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so there was there was many potentials that you know somebody going through this would would have a bad time mm -hmm. essentially, um, and then we also didn't build it for large scale. You know, there's there's a lot of engineering that goes into being able to deal with something at a very very high volume, but yeah. since we're running a small percentage test, we don't have to do all of that work. Gotcha. And you know, both both of those things greatly reduce the amount of engineering work that goes into something. Now, something like this, obviously, you don't do it by yourself. Um, what kind of talent? is on a typical team that you're working with to do something like this? What are their roles? Um, so it, it varies a lot from project to project, but you know, usually when you're dealing, when, when we were dealing with something like a, a setup flow for Google Apps for work, um, I worked with um, other product managers that would work on kind of, kind of adjacent systems. Um, I worked with um, you know, UX designers and engineers, as I've talked about. Uh, we also had a, a marketing team, uh, which which managed the the kind of entry point website and a lot of the email content uh, that that users would get sent during their kind of trial period. Uh, we also had an operations team that would deal with the uh, you know phone phone support for people that had issues. Uh, there's more operations people that deal with back end stuff. Uh, there's uh, you know, salespeople that can get involved sometimes for larger customers that are using the flow. Uh, got it. And yeah. Um, yeah. how do you – so with a team like that where you've got a lot of interdisciplinary expertise, as, as a product manager, how do you keep the work focused on, on what you think is going to be valuable to the user while, while still cultivating the, the, the creativity and the initiative with, with the team that you're working with? This is a constant challenge and something that, I mean, I know I have not always done well. Um, I think most of the time in these cases, what I try to do is keep things as simple and focused as possible, which means, you know, that, uh, you know, we know what, what users and what use cases are we going after. So in, you know, a case like this, this means that, uh, for instance, we might not be designing an online sign-up flow for a company that has 10,000 employees, mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, you want to make sure that everybody knows kind of what, what you're going after and, uh, and, and why. And then kind of what, what the goals are. And then make sure that you're, you're meeting with people, you're talking with people, you're sending them updates so that they see that, you know, there is 
there is momentum and there is a goal and, you know, things are happening to make that happen. And then I think that helps other people kind of see that, you know, you know, they want to be part of the thing that's happening rather than do do something else. Do you have any other advice for for listeners who who want to get better at keeping things focused and delivering nice, simple, highly usable experiences for the user? The best thing is is just to make sure that you're you're starting with with your users or you know your customers first, and you know really ruthlessly prioritizing what you go after and making sure that you do a small number of things well rather than a large number of things poorly. Um, I think that's that's usually usually the best thing that I try to do. Now, before we close, I'd love to talk a little bit about your career story. Uh, before business school, you were the development manager at uh, Bankers Toolbox, which is a software company. What was that like, and what did you learn there that, that's been helpful to you in, in your roles subsequent to that? I started off as a software engineer uh, at Bankers Toolbox, uh, and then I, I grew into a development manager and was a product manager for a while there as well. It was a rel- you know, relatively small company, so I found that um, there was lots of needs. And, you know, at a small company, people tend to naturally wear many hats. So mm-hmm. I think, um, oh, well, you know, one of the things that I found there was that it's, it's important to identify problems and try to go after and solve those problems, regardless of whether or not they're you know, kind of your job or in your domain. I think that's something that's been very, very helpful for my career now. Um, as a product manager at Google, because uh, you know we're we're kind of the the garbage men of, of projects. You know we're we're there to kind of set an initial direction, but when it comes down to things that I actually do as an individual contributor, it's almost always dealing with kind of the the leftover stuff that other people don't want to do or can't do, or that you know we we, we can't find somebody to do. Uh, and, you know, so I think it, it's, it served me well to work at a small company and to, you know, really kind of have a passion for just doing anything and everything. That needs mm-hmm. to make something happen. And, and then, then you went to business school um, at UVA Darden. Imagine you are the Josh of um, six years ago, I think it would be. Uh, you're just starting business school. What advice do you have for that version of yourself? Where, where would you tell that Josh to focus and, and learn things while, while in school? I think that the, the two things that have been, you know, most, most helpful for me in my, my, my work life after getting an MBA degree have been things that I learned around leadership and things that I learned around communication. And I think I would, uh, you know, make sure to take more of those in business school and spend more time talking with professors and thinking through a lot of different scenarios there. Um, I think beyond those, um, you know, I I had a great time in the negotiation class at Darden and would, would recommend that. And I find, you know, I'm constantly doing doing negotiations with people. You know, you know, they may not be things that you would think are a negotiation, but I think one of the things I learned in that class is that lots of life is a negotiation and lots of work is a negotiation. Um, and I think kind of beyond that, one thing that I really, I think I would have liked to spend more time on at Darden that I really didn't was... Uh, you know, learning how to, you know, develop and, and cultivate a network of people. You know, I think I never really thought of that really before I got to Darden and was a little bit skeptical of it while I was there. But I've found, you know, more and more in my, my work since then that that's, you know, one of the critical advantages that I can have when I do my work is, you know, having a strong network of people that, uh, you know, know me and like me and that I have helped and that I can call on to help me at the right time. This has been great, Josh. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you, Alex. A couple of the things that I, I thought were particularly interesting about what we heard from Josh is, is the need to absolutely focus on what's really important to your users and try to do a few things really well then rather than trying to do a lot of things and probably overloading yourself and your team with too many things to do. You've also heard a lot about how they work from this core idea out to a working implementation and how they challenge themselves to test multiple versions of this product so that they don't bias themselves and they don't bias their testing to one particular idea that that they start to like internally as a team. If you'd like to learn more about building great products, I can't help but mention our agile development specialization on Coursera. You can check it out at bit.ly slash highagile, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash H-I-A-G-I-L-E. Thanks for joining us. The Interdisciplinarian is a production of Darden Media in cooperation with the Batten Institute at UVA's Darden School of Business.